Hey, Ren, I was thinking, do you own any of the massive companies in the US? No, nah, mate, none of them. Yeah, why is that? Too expensive. I mean, Berkshire Hathaway goes for like $290,000 a share. Amazon is like $1,500 for one share. Hell, I can't even afford Netflix at 300 bucks a share. Yeah, well, instead of waiting around for a pay rise, there's no need for that anymore because our friends over at Stake, they've solved this problem for you. Really? Tell me more. So, Stake is the simplest way to trade US shares. It's a new Australian company that's just started up and they give you access to over 3,000 stocks and ETFs over in the US and they offer you $0 brokerage. You can also buy partial shares, meaning, Ren, that you can finally buy $100 worth of Amazon if you really want to. And you know what the best part is? What's the best part? Now we've teamed up with Stake over here at Equity Mates. That's you and me, Ren. Yeah. And we're giving our listeners the ability to sign up with Stake and get $25 in their account to get them started. So if they head to equitymates.com forward slash Stake, S-T-A-K-E, sign up and fund their account, Stake's going to swing them 25 bucks into their trading account to get them on their way. So that's free brokerage, the ability to buy partial shares so you don't have to spend 1500 bucks on an Amazon share. You can buy $100 worth if you, st- if you really wanted to and 25 bucks to get you going. Mate, you're almost halfway there to a Berkshire Shire Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> Berkshire Shire Hathaway. <laughs> Mate, with that free 25 bucks, I could get 0.01% of a Berkshire share for free. I mean, it's a, it's, an, it's a win-win situation, really. You know what? I reckon if I held that 0.01% of a Berkshire share for like 80 years, I'd be set for life. I'd retire in luxury. Well, get started. Yeah, I'm going to right now. Equitymates.com forward slash stake. Stake, S-T-A-K-E. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we will help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. More and more impressed by your opening every time. <laughs> it seems to grow every, Gets better every episode. Better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it fresh. I'll change it up in a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Um, Maybe we should let our listeners write the opener. Interesting. Write in with any suggestions that you have. Yeah, hit us up. I'm I'm all ears. So, part two with our uh, series on ETFs with beta shares. Uh, Last episode, if you haven't listened to it already, we sat down with one of the founders of beta shares, Elan, and uh, he gave us a bit of a rundown on what beta shares is, when they started, a bit of the history and a bit of a background on him. And then this episode, as Ren uh, mentioned last time, we're going to be focusing primarily now on the basics of ETFs and ETFs. F101. So this episode should tell you everything that you need to understand about ETFs, uh, how they work, what the upside is, what some of the risks are, and some of the examples that are out there in the market. If you listened to our last episode, you would have heard the game that we played with Alarm, where we went through some of the more exotic and out there ETFs. That should give you an idea of just how broad the market for ETFs are, just how many different Uh, categories and markets and ideas are wrapped up in these ETF wrappers. 
So uh, once you listen to this episode and understand what ETFs are and how they work, um, that should set you on your way to go and explore this vast and um, exciting new world that is uh, exchange-traded funds. Absolutely. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Elon again, who's the found one of the founders of BetaShares and head of uh, strategy and marketing. So welcome back. Thanks. Good. Great to be back. We are going to focus this episode on ETFs 101, what they are, how beginning investors particularly can use them in their portfolio. Yeah. They're they're a great product uh, if you're a beginner, I think personally. So let's get stuck in. I guess at a high level, top line level. What is an ETF? What does it stand for? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know us, BetaShares is one of Australia's uh, leading specialist exchange traded fund managers. So let's just say that's where I'm from. An ETF is an investment product that basically provides exposure to a range of asset classes, investment strategies, or, or diversified portfolios. But So they're very similar in many ways to a traditional managed fund that many of your listeners probably would have heard of. But unlike managed funds, they're bought and sold like a share on the stock exchange, which basically means that there's no paperwork, uh, there's no minimum fee or no minimum investment, and there's pricing intraday. And so usually the way that one thinks about an ETF is exposure to a, a, in a single trade to a diversified portfolio of stocks, and often those stocks are passively managed. And so the best way to, to describe this to your listeners is in an example, which I gave in the first podcast. In fact, I'll change up the example in the second part. Sure. So we've got a fund, for example, let's say you're an investor who wants to invest in Australian shares. Yeah. And you're thinking between the Commonwealth Bank, Rio, BHP, how do you make that decision? It's, you know, it's quite difficult. And it means you have to basically make a decision about which stock you want to go into. With an ETF, such as our A200 fund, you get exposure in a single trade to the largest 200 stocks in Australia by their market cap. So rather than choosing, all you know is you know you need to get invested in shares. Everyone says you should do that. We know that it's good for for you to do that over the long term. But which share should I buy? And the beautiful thing about an ETF, that takes that decision out of your hands. Because in a single trade, for example, with A200, you get exposure to all 200 of the largest stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange. And that's the best example. Another example would be gold is an example I gave in the previous podcast. I want to get access to gold. How do I do it? Not that easy to do it. With an ETF such as our QAU fund, you buy it and you get access to the price of gold without having to do anything else and basically do a single trade. So the reason why ETFs, one of the reasons why ETFs has been so popular is because that passive management style that I just described is, is relatively low cost for us as a fund manager to operate. And that typically means that we pass that low cost onto a customer. So an ETF will typically have a management fee significantly below those of the active managers, usually significantly below um, 0.5%. So 0.5% a year would be $50 for every $10,000 invested. In fact, you know the A200 is 7.07%, so that's $7 for every $10,000 invested. And you compare that to a traditional managed fund, it's usually in the 1% or 2% range. Mm. So I would say ETFs would be amongst the fastest growing investment products in the world. And I think there's around the US $5 trillion now invested in ETFs. And just a couple of stats to give you a sense of just how big they are now. They trade one out of every three trades on the New York Stock Exchange. And the largest ETF in the world, which I only wish was ours, 
trades four times the value of Apple, which is the largest company in the world every day. So that's a bit of a very high level sense of what an ETF is. So you mentioned there that uh, ETFs started out mainly as passive investments. ETFs as an asset class have grown and changed a lot since then. So for our listeners, like what's the difference between a passive ETF and an active ETF? Um, How how can they wrap their head around that? Yeah. Well, the first thing to know is that an ETF is actually just a wrapper. It really is just a style of investment product. And that's often the reason why people get very confused and, and the media gets things wrong. So there is a concept of active ETF in Australia and there is a concept of a passive ETF. The passive ETF would be like the one I just described whereby typically the investment manager would be tracking an index or trying to track an index providing exposure to an asset class. The active ETF would be a situation where the investment manager or their advisor, their sub-advisor, is trying to beat that benchmark by investing actively and selecting stocks. But it still is in an ETF form, which means you can still buy it and sell it like any share. And to make matters even more confusing, there's now ETFs that are passive but don't track an index, such as our bear fund, which aims to go up when the market goes down and vice versa. There's no index that it's tracking, but it's a very simple rules-based strategy that's passive. So those are the way that your your listeners should be thinking about the differences there. And for our listeners that might have invested in a listed investment company, then how do they make the distinction between an LIC and an active ETF? Yeah, so the C in the LIC is a company. So the the C in the LIC is a company, and a company has got a closed-ended structure, which means that the number of shares they've got on issue don't grow unless the company goes and does a fundraise or a capital raise, right? So the number of shares on issue remains stable. Now, the issue with that is that in the listed investment company structure, there might be more demand than there is supply of those shares. And what that means is it can trade quite far away from its fair value. By contrast, an exchange-traded fund is open-ended, meaning that if there's more demand than there is supply, essentially we create more units in that particular ETF. And that means that it typically trades much closer to its fair value. The second thing I'd say in answer to your question is that listed investment companies are typically actively managed, and so they will typically be more expensive uh, than the ETF. I, I don't know what the average lick fee is, but I hesitate to say it's significantly higher than the average ETF fee. You mentioned in the previous episode that you started beta shares back in 2010. 2010, yeah, and it was the perfect time for ETFs. Since sort of post-GSE 2008, we've seen a massive trend towards ETFs money flooding in, you say, it's $5 trillion under management now in mm-hmm. the States. Can you give a couple of reasons you think why this has happened and is this trend likely to continue, do you think, for a while now? I mean, you would probably hope so. But. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think you're right. The global financial crisis, as we call it in Australia, the GFC, really was a defining moment in the growth of ETFs. It's actually true that globally, that's where things really kick things off. And the reason for that is that people were invested with active managers who they expected to, in a scenario like the global financial crisis, they expected them to be able to protect their investment. But lo and behold, those active managers, unfortunately, the value of the, the performance of those active managers in the main was no better than and sometimes a lot worse than just simply buying an index. And so I think what happened with the global financial crisis is that people really got fixated on scrutinizing the value that these active managers provided and the fees they provided. So that was definitely one of the things that kicked things off. And I don't know if you guys have heard of, and maybe your listeners might want to check out this thing called the SPIVA report, which is a kind of a long acronym, but it's a standard and pause report. And what it does is it tells readers 
what percentage of active managers outperform their benchmark over a one, three, five, and 10 year period? And no matter which year you look at it, over a five year period or over a 10 year period, approximately seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 of active managers actually do worse than their benchmark. Now, these are the kind of things, particularly after the global financial crisis, that people started looking at, and that's one of the key reasons why ETFs started growing. You know, costs are one of the few things that you can control as an investor. And when active managers are really doing no more on average than either performing at the benchmark or in seven out of 10 cases worse than the benchmark, you may as well just get the lowest cost because that's the one thing you can control. So that along with the core benefits of ETS, which we'll go into, were the reasons why you know things came in. But it was quite a different way to invest. It was a transparent way, it was a low cost way, and you had complete control really complete contrast to the active management world. Similar to uh, that report, uh, listeners might be aware that uh, Warren Buffett made a bet with an active manager uh, who chose five funds of funds and the index smoked all five of those funds. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Warren's, Warren's put a million dollars into the charity of his choice and a fund manager is licking their wounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their pride. Yeah. So you touched on core benefits of ETFs. Um, aside from the ones that we've already spoken about, what, what are some of the other main benefits? Yeah, I'll just go through those again because they you know we, we speak about them all the time. It's, it's the reason why. So we serve our, our investors all the time and it's the same thing. So cost is one. We spoke about that. Transparency. What I mean by that is you can, as an investor in ETF, at any time go onto our website and know exactly what's in our portfolio on any given day. So to the, to the, from the first to the last share, you can see how much we're earning of it and what it is. And that's, that's nice for people. Um, liquidity, which basically means you can buy and sell it, like I said, at any time you want during the day. You don't have to wait to get your money. So you can trade it and then two days later you'll, you know, you'll receive your money. There's no paperwork to fill in. Um, diversification, instant diversification, as I spoke about before. And I think the other one is access. So a lot of people in Australia are now using ETFs to get exposure to international shares, which are otherwise quite hard to access. Or gold, as I mentioned before, or bonds. If you think about it, trying to invest in an international share as a starting investor, or bonds in particular, or gold is hard, and ETFs provide that access point. So really those are the main things behind the, the, the rise and rise of ETFs. All good things come with risks, yeah. and I'm sure ETFs you know, are risky in, in some way. Yeah. Um, with all this money flooding in, some people might say that the ETFs are now in a, a bit of a bubble phase. Yeah. Uh, would you agree with that? And what happens if all the money quickly comes back out? Sure. So the first thing to say about anyone criticizing an ETF is to realize that an ETF is nothing more than a wrapper to an investment strategy. So criticizing an ETF is like criticizing an MP3 or a DVD or Spotify. Oh, Spotify, maybe you can criticize. <laughs> an MP3 and a DVD, you really, you're not going to... You're going to criticize the crappy movie or the bad song that you listen to. You're not going to criticize the fact that it's an MP3. So the issue that people get caught up on is criticizing what's ultimately just a rapper. Uh, so the, the truth is there's really been no invention in the last decades for wealth management that are as investor-friendly as ETFs. I've checked it out, and they've saved investors about $20 billion in costs. Wow. So criticizing them is, is, is an interesting one. They're, they really can't cause a bubble. So the answer to your question is no, they can't cause a bubble because they're a tool, not a catalyst. You can't, you can't, a tool cannot catalyze something. What will catalyze something is a tweet by Donald Trump. That's what changes markets. Markets is Donald Trump's tweets or China's economy or the fact that, uh, you know, the, the French president said something you know, negative about Russia. That's what changes markets, not ETS basically. 
Can I push you on that a little bit though? Sure. So a defining feature of ETFs is a blindness to fundamentals. You buy you know, the S&P 500 index in, in America or the ASX 200 index in America. And when we buy that ETF, then you go out and buy those underlying companies. Yeah. So there is a blindness to fundamentals that can exacerbate a bubble. Do, do you not worry about that? Okay. The first thing, there's a several answer to that. It's a great question and I'm glad you brought it up. Let's first of all talk about some facts. The I'll take the US, it's the largest market in the world by ETFs by a long shot. In total, the, the amount of US ETFs that are, the amount of money in ETFs that track shares is around about $2 trillion. Now, let me just work out the number. I've got it written down here. The amount of, the, the value of the US stock market is $27 trillion. Okay. So it's 6% out of a $27 trillion market. It's nowhere near big enough to cause any bubble. And in Australia, it's going to be half a percent to 1%. So that's number one. As to the blindness point, I think what's really important to, to understand is that if investors were not investing in ETFs, they'd be investing in managed funds, who lo and behold, were going by the very same stocks you just mentioned. Yeah. So again, it's just, a, it's just an investment vehicle. The only difference is now the investment vehicle is cheaper. Yeah. So what you're doing is, is letting people buy basically the same stocks at a lower price. Now, there are some scenarios where certain funds are actually buying more than they should. And that's where the investor has to understand the underlying strategy. So if the underlying products or, or investments that the ETF are making are, are finite in size, then there will come a time where the ETF will be too big. And that's the Junior Gold Miners ETF, yeah. which actually was investing beyond its capabilities. But that's up to the investor to understand that that is a risk. But truth is, in Australia, we don't really have anything like that at the moment. But when we say the junior gold miners ETF was investing beyond their capabilities, wasn't that because demand was so high for those funds that they were going above their like allowed limits of yeah. how much they were allowed to, allowed to own in the company? Yeah, so I think that was a fault of the issuer to create a product over a, you know, over a, a, a strategy that has a very finite structure. So uh, the truth is, what they have to do is they have to change their investment strategy, and then it was up to the it was up to the individual to work out what to do. So it's a rare occurrence, and truthfully, not one that's really happening in Australia. There's no real funds in Australia that are tracking you know illiquid underlying. Yeah. But again, the big thing to work to just to just understand is it's still very small, and it is just an investment wrapper. So I don't I don't want to get too negative. So this will be the last question <laughs> no, no, about, <laughs> about risks. As you said, it is. ETFs are open-ended, so um, that means if we put a sell order in, then you have to, um, you're the market maker, essentially. Yeah, you, I mean, we've got an independent market maker, but yes, yes. Do, sure. you, do you worry about a run on ETFs, especially some of the more illiquid ones? So again, I think the answer to that will come down to the underlying. The, the run on the ETF factor is only a scenario where, again, you've got a, an underlying, the underlying investment is illiquid. So an example would be junk bond ETFs, right? So junk bond ETFs. There is a limit to how much there is in the market for that. Luckily in Australia, our regulator has seen some of the errors that people have made and they will never allow, have not allowed the launch of any fund that is, is, is using an, an illiquid underlying structure. So I think one does not have to worry about it given the numbers I've said, but you have to know what you're investing in. So ETFs are a great way for beginners particularly to, as you said, get access to a broad range of things without necessarily having to be a genius at investing. Yeah. Can you give us a few examples as to what exposure ETFs can give for a beginner and, yeah. and ways that they can be used in their portfolio? I'll give you examples of things that our younger investors are using. Yeah. 
So the first I have to highlight is our A200 fund. Yeah. So this is the lowest cost ETF in the world for Australian shares. It's seven basis points, which is 0.07% a year in fees. And that is basically an instant way to get exposure to the Australian stock market. So you get the largest 200 shares. So that's what I mentioned before. I know I want to get inv- I want to, want to invest in, in the share market because cash is a, a very bad place currently mm-hmm. to invest. Mm-hmm. And I want to get the, the dividends that come from shares, which, by the way, are all passed through in an ETF. And I don't want to worry about choosing a stock. So that's a great, you know, probably one of the best ways to get started. You're in the market straight away at a very, very low cost. Costs are one of the only things we can control, as I said before. It's a great way to get started. That's number one. Um, the other thing we're finding uh, younger investors investing in quite a lot more is some international products, mm-hmm. international shares, in particular things that they use and understand. So. We've got a NASDAQ 100 ETF, NDQ. It's definitely been one of our most successful from the perspective of a younger investor. I suppose as a younger person, you know what you do every day. You get up, you probably your alarm clock is probably your Apple phone. You're probably going to be using Microsoft products when you get to work. You're listening to, 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 to MP3s on the way. You are... Uh, you might, you know, you might, you might use Facebook. In fact, you're definitely going to be using Facebook. <laughs> you're going to probably use the new Amazon Australia. All those stocks are part of the Nasdaq 100. So this is the new economy, and so people are using the Nasdaq 100 ETF NDQ for exposure to the technology sector. Uh, we've got stuff that's even a little bit more specific, like cybercrime or cybersecurity ETF, which is HACK, H-A-C-K. Again, as a younger person, you'd be very familiar with the issues associated with cybercrime, and rather than worrying about it, you can maybe invest in it to try and profit from the people that are trying to protect you from cybercrime, and hence, you know, we brought out the hack fund. Um, and uh, so that's, that's, that's another one. You know, the other one that we're finding is very popular amongst younger investors is our socially responsible suite of products. Mm-hmm. We've noticed that there's a particular interest from younger investors to invest their money according to their values and principles. And so we brought out two funds uh, that are in that space, which also give you instant exposure to the share market. One is FE, E-T-H-I, which gives you instant exposure to the global share market. But the, the actual underlying uh, stocks in that particular ETF are socially responsible because A, they are better for, better for our environment. They've got a climate change leadership. And also, they are not doing any of the negative things. So they're, they're not tobacco companies, alcohol companies. They, they look after their people. Um, and, and so that's one. And we've got one that's very similar, which is for Australian shares called FAIR. And we've noticed that definitely um, we're seeing a lot of interest from, from younger, younger investors in those, in those funds because you're ultimately still getting exposure to the share market, but you're doing so in a socially responsible way. So those are probably three that I pick out as, as being the ones that seem to be the most, most useful for getting started. Yeah. So th- those ones all are related to the stock market yeah. and equities. Yeah. ETFs are also useful to diversify not just within the stock market but also into other asset classes. Absolutely, yeah. What are some of the more sort of common ones that you see used you know, in commodities, bonds, stuff like that? Yeah, bonds is a good one because I think as a young investor, it would probably be the farthest thing from your mind and you certainly would find it difficult to invest in them. So what you can do if you spend a bit of time thinking about your, you know, your asset allocation, for lack of a better word, and I'm sure in other podcasts you've mentioned it, is you can put a small amount, and I wouldn't put too much because you know, generally speaking, younger people have got a long environment, a long, long time to wait. But certainly for diversification, put some into bonds 
Uh, and we do have funds that are very popular in that respect. One is called Coupon, Q-P-O-N, gives you exposure to what are known as floating rate bonds. Essentially, they are bonds, though. They've got a very different performance to share. They will obviously, they often will do better in a, in a downward sort of sloping share environment, and they still pay an interest rate that's pretty decent. And uh, in fact, in that particular case, that interest rate will go up when interest rates go up, which people think they will. So, you know, uh, a, a, a small but significant amount of uh, exposure to bonds is a great thing to do and a very easy thing to do in ETFs. We've actually got a cash ETF, AAA, AAA, which is, well, if you just want to build a portfolio entirely about ETFs, you can do that and that still pays you a monthly income. So, so that's, that's that. We do have commodities as well for those that want to look at things like gold and oil. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, for those that are a bit more interested in, in, in taking a particular view, we've got currency funds, for example, the USD ETF that basically gives you exposure to the performance of the US dollar against the Aussie dollar. Uh, but generally speaking, for a younger investor, some core building blocks like the A200, the NDQ, the coupon fund, AAA, I think with that you can get a long way there. And of course, if you're interested in the socially responsible, you can sub in, you know, the socially responsible funds. Do ETFs help if I think the market's going to crash in the next year? Yeah, so we, if you bought a, 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 an ETF that is exposed long to the share market, no, they would not help. Yep. You, but we do have a, a short series of, of, of exchange-traded products. Bear, B-E-A-R, it's a cute ticker, and essentially it's aimed to go up when the market goes down. We've also got one called BBOZ, which is essentially a leveraged version of that, which means that you don't have to put as much money in, but obviously it's a lot more volatile. So if you did have that view, there's an easy way to do that, which once again, you know, you don't even have to even start opening up a textbook and understanding what shorting means exactly. in terms of being able to do it yourself. You just know that this thing, you need to be comfortable with the fact that if the market does in fact go down, um, things are going to go well, but vice versa, if the market, you know, goes up, you'll do poorly. Mm. Uh, so you just have to be comfortable with that, but they can be used in that tactical sense as well. We run a hypothetical portfolio through the website that yeah. we sort of update with our, invest, our listeners and yeah. I think about a year ago we <laughs> bought Bear which mm. is going, going great for us <laughs> but just as a concept it was a really great thing to introduce yeah, typically to them, those to things are either used as a constant hedge or as a tactical trade yeah. Um, yeah. versus an A200 or NDQ or the FE and Fair which is a long term can be seen as a long-term buy and hold depending on your personal circumstances. Just as we wrap up, the, we should touch on uh, A200 a little bit more. Sure. And it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the so you were saying the lowest access, uh, the lowest cost ETF in the Australian market, but it's half of what the previous Australian A2, yeah. A200 equivalent was? Yeah, it's the lowest cost way to get exposure to Australian shares via an ETF in the Australian market at 0.07%. It is... You're right. It's half the half the price of, of the next cheapest for Australian shares exposure, mm-hmm. and I said it gives you access to the largest 200 companies by market cap, gives you access to all the dividends and the franking credits of those last 200 companies pay, and it's bought and sold like a share using the code A200. And we have certainly seen in places frequented by younger investors, Reddit. <laughs> and, other, and other such places that that A200 is getting a real buzz oh, nice. and uh, obviously the reason for that is as I said just to come back to my original point cost is one of the few things you can control mm-hmm. if you're just getting started you may as well sort of control your cost mm. that's a big message that you know Buffett talks about the value of compounding and if you can avoid fees at such a young age yeah. the value of that over a long period of time is huge yeah cool excellent well look the thing to do for anyone who wants to learn more is really visit our website yeah. betashares.com.au we've got all this information much of which is or at least a portion of which has been written for the younger 
younger investor, look at our social networks as well and, and, and you know, feel free to give us a call. Awesome. Well, thanks and for your time, Elon. I guess before we go, if our listeners want to follow you personally, do you have Twitter or social media or anything? I do have Twitter. I'm not a frequent tweeter, <laughs> but I do have a Twitter. It's uh, I-L-A-N and then, I mean, I've probably just done it, done it before I realized how annoying this would be, but it's I-L-A-N underscore I on Twitter. And where else do I speak? Well, nothing else that really matters. <laughs> I've got a LinkedIn account. You can look me up on LinkedIn as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, they can re-listen to these interviews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> look, really appreciate your time. It's been insightful. Thank you so um, much. And yeah, I encourage all our listeners to get on betashares.com. Check Great. it out. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Hello, mates of Equity Mates. Or I guess that just makes you Equity Mates. Anyway, it's Bryce here. One of the most frequently asked questions we get is, where do we find information about all these stocks and, and where's a good place to start? Now, we could do a whole episode on this and we often do touch on it, but the best place to start is by signing up to our Thought Starters weekly email. Each week, we send you some cool stuff that has caught our eye during the week, as well as some more detailed articles on stocks and invested relating content. We also include Basics 101. These are articles tailored specifically for beginners to really propel you on your way. We don't spam you. I mean, we hate spam. It's once a week and there's enough stuff in there to occupy you for a full day of browsing at work. Now, Ren puts a lot of effort into finding quality articles for you guys. So if anything, just sign up so he feels the love. Head to equitymates.com and chuck in your email at the bottom of the page. Equity Mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation.